Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Unfortunately, the Cubs did not survive the wild card game. They were beaten by the Rockies. So today we have a bit of a, what do I want to say, post-mortem after the season breakdown. And uh, look forward to the offseason coming up. Our guest is Corey Friedman from the Cubs-related podcast and Cubs Insider. He's been on the pod before, but um, we talk about all kinds of stuff. The Cubs' offensive struggles, uh, who are they going to keep pitching-wise, and of course, the Manny Machado and Bryce Harper debate. Because you know it's all everyone's going to be talking about this winter. So, it was a good conversation. More of a look forward than a dwelling on the struggles of last of this year, but we do look at them a little bit. Um, you can find Corey at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. And of course, you can find me at STH85 on Twitter. So here is Corey. Obviously, I was hoping to be able to do a uh, NLCS podcast preview, but obviously, we didn't even get to the NLDS. So um, the end of the year for the Cubs just just kind of fell apart. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I am pretty surprised to be talking to you under these circumstances, Sean. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're headed to the NLCS now, been watching baseball for a week. It's it's crazy, really, that it's already been uh, a week without Cubs baseball. And, you know, because it's so far from the offseason, which is a little different than what we've been used to these last couple of years, at least, it just feels like there's so much time to fill, and it's uh, not not uh, a fun experience trying to fill that void. Yeah, it really isn't. And I guess, you know, the blame has been, been getting thrown around pretty good now. And, and obviously the focal point of this, uh, I guess I call it buyer's storm a little bit, is uh, Chili Davis. And a lot of people are angry at Chili Davis uh, your uh, Cubs-related co-host, uh, Brendan Miller, wrote an article about the kind of big downturn the offense took under Chili Davis. But do you really think it's totally his fault, or is this like finding a convenient place to blame? Yeah, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I know that Brendan looked into a lot, and I think he was disturbed by some of the trends. But I think even he would probably admit that it's hard to place that blame in specifically one spot. And, and what I always say, you know, when this topic comes up is it's very difficult to know exactly who is responsible for what we saw with the Cubs in terms of their inconsistency, in terms of, you know, being second in the league only to the Baltimore Orioles in games where they score one or zero runs. I think that you know, Chile was brought in to teach a philosophy that was supposed to, you know, cut down on the strikeouts, make a little more consistent contact, you know, to try to avoid those playoff series or playoff exits where it was just an absence of offense. How is this team possibly going to score? Unfortunately, we saw that anyway, uh, just in a 
different version of that. Um, you know, so he was brought in to do that. And I think in a lot of ways he did, I, I think it's just a, you know, maybe now a question of, okay, was that the right choice for the group that we have? And, you know, what exactly do we do going forward, knowing now that that didn't really work? Um, but, you know, even Theo said in his press conference, like, you know, we brought Chile in to do some specific stuff. And, you know, for the most part, like, that's kind of what happened. It just wasn't really the result that they were hoping for. Um, so I, I don't I don't know how much you can really throw at him. And it's an easy, I think, situation for him to be the scapegoat, if you will, because, you know, a lot of people point to Boston's offense uh, the year they had him. They were still a very good offense, but they're much better now. Obviously, they have J.D. Martinez now, you know, and then you can look at the Cubs and kind of, you know, maybe draw the same conclusion. So I, I am hesitant to put all the blame on him, uh, but you know, and I don't know if you agree or not, Sean, but it did feel like the, the way that that season ended is kind of one of those scenarios where, you know, people are going to want somebody to blame one way, you know, whether it's right or wrong. But when you, you know, fail to score more than a run uh, three times the last, you know, four games you play at home, needing to win only one of them to go to the NLDS. People are going to, you know, want more, uh, I think, of an answer than, well, you know, it just didn't work. And, you know, it's kind of an organizational thing. I think people, you know, kind of want to, uh, you know, they're going to call for people's heads. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, I mean, that last game, the wild card game, it really felt like, I think I literally said during it, like, well, the Rockies are going to win eventually because I don't think the Cubs are ever going to score again. And it really felt like, like, they're off the last, in extra innings, especially, they just completely were gone. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. I, uh, sitting at that game, I really couldn't believe it. Like I could to a degree, uh, cause we had seen it so often, but you're, you're just sitting there going like, are they really not going to score again? They're really, they can't get more than a run. And, you know, that was made worse by watching that series that they had with the brewers. And, it, you know, this isn't, um, I'm aware that this reflects poorly on the Cubs, right? I'm not ignorant to that, but dude, the Rockies are just not good. And watching them in that series uh, made the Cubs exit even, even more frustrating. Cause you're just like, man, like this team cannot score. Right? We really couldn't beat this team in a game where they scored two runs over 13 innings. It just was, uh, yeah, sort of a stunning exit, I guess. Again, even though it, wasn't really that surprising, I guess, to a degree. I, I just, when it got to the playoffs, I just sort of expected this group to turn it on. I guess I was naive in that regard. Yeah. Well, they'd done it so many times in the past. You're just thinking, well, you know, they fooled us before where they look like their offense falls asleep and it wakes up, but nope. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I just sort of thought like, I don't know, Rizzo and Zobrist and these guys, like they'll figure out a way to turn it on in the playoffs. And it just, uh, it didn't happen, but yeah, it, it was very frustrating. And again, very frustrating to watch the Rockies uh, look really bad over those three games with the Brewers. Cause you, you just know deep down, I mean, even though the Cubs had their flaws, I, I don't think that they are the team, you know, that we saw in, the, in that last weekend. I know it was a problem throughout the year, but I think just in general, they're better than that. And it was just a very uh, frustrating way to go out with, you know, obviously a whimper rather than a roar. Yeah. And you know, 
I was of two minds. Like, on one, I was just disappointed with how the year ended. But then, in the other side of my mind, I was like, well, if they had beaten the Rockies and gotten smoked by the Brewers, that would have been just awful. Yeah, that's that's probably worse. Yeah, and and I mean, if you know, we're being honest with ourselves, that's probably what was going to happen. Unless you know, like we said, there's some miracle. Like now they're playing well, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that series with Milwaukee would have gone well unless there was some miraculous turnaround. Yeah. So now, obviously, I think there's a couple players that we're going to be um, saying goodbye to this off season. Uh, Daniel Murphy and I assume Addison Russell. But, you know, especially Murphy, like, I mean, I guess always a Cubs killer, even when he was on the Cubs. But, yeah, I don't need to see him anymore. No, that experiment did not work. I think at the time, you know, the off the field stuff aside, I I thought from an offensive perspective, it made sense. You know, you were adding a guy that had a, a playoff pedigree, you know, more of a contact guy. Uh, and as he described when he first came over, you know, a guy that can really wear out those alleys at Wrigley Field. And it just seemed like a good fit. But down that stretch there, he, you know, he seemed to join everybody else and not really hitting that well. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know if one comes to memory for you, but I can't remember someone that looked worse in the field on defense than Daniel Murphy at second base. I mean, it was astonishing at times how poor his range was, uh, you know, and how he's just, he's such a weird guy. Like the way he throws is so weird and uncomfortable looking. He's got like some of those like Ben Zobrist quirks, but turned up to 11. So no, I, I am more than happy to not see him again. He was uh, really disappointing. The, the, the offense down the stretch uh, for him was uh, really disappointing. And, you know, even if you weren't thrilled with the move in the first place for a number of reasons, I think you were reasonable in expecting him to add a more consistent approach at the plate. And, you know, we really just didn't see that down the stretch. And, you know, the other name you brought up, I, I don't really know what to expect with this Russell situation. I, I think it's one of those, you know, you maybe got to wait and see, um, you know, just cause Theo kind of touched on all the different angles that go into this and in, in a situation like this. And, you know, obviously now his, his value, you know, should they look into trading him in the future is plummeted. Um, you know, he wasn't putting together a very good season in the first place. He was also injured. So it's just, you know, there's just a lot, of negatives uh for Addison Russell you know obviously he's suspended uh for 40 games um you know is he the type of person you want on the team you know there's really um you know other than his defensive prowess and you know the fact that he's young and you know people might still believe in that potential um I, I don't I don't know how much there is left that's really worth fighting for um and you know I think it it we were probably getting to a point, you know, like you said, not just those guys, but even some of the younger guys that are still with the team, you're probably getting to the point of, you know, push or shove with some of them, right? Like you're going to have to make a decision uh, on some of these positions. You can't commit yeah. to the youth everywhere. So what did the, what did Theo say? Like we no longer can rely on like potential. We got to start focusing on production. Yeah, I think it, it was something to that effect. And and it's, yeah, so I think that, you know, when you look at where Russell is with everything, I would definitely not be surprised uh, if he has played his last game in a Cubs uniform. But I, 
I, I, I honestly don't know what to expect, um, you know, with that particular situation. Yeah. And there's a couple of things on Murphy too. Like, yeah, like his, uh, it was like when he turned double plays, I swear to God, it was like he was going in slow motion. I'd never seen someone so slow. Maybe I was spoiled by Baez, you know, his pivot on the double play, but man. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's part of it too, where it's like, yeah, we were spoiled to a degree by how good Russell and Baez were up the middle uh, for those few years, you know, and especially like on the big stage in the playoffs. Uh, but I think that almost, you know, made the Murphy in the field stuff worse because it was such a jarring change from what we had seen and obviously what had been such a large part of the Cubs success over this period, uh, was the defense. And, you know, in these games, every time the ball is hit to him, it it's like, hold on a second, you know, like in the past, you'd get a double play ball, the crowd at Wrigley, you know, it starts to build a little buzz in anticipation of the thing. And at these games, when they were hit to Murphy, I find myself like looking around like, guys, hold on a second. Like it's Murphy. Like don't count this play as an out before like the ball is in the mitt. Cause I, I don't think this is a sure thing at all. And then, you know, you had him in the, the late innings of the uh, wild card game playing first base, which was uh, wow. Yeah. Quite the, <laughs> quite the adventure out there in a game, uh, you know, with elimination on the line. Yeah. And you know, I was trying to think of like, yeah, like you were saying, think of a worse fielder. I'm trying to think like, maybe you have to go way back to the um, Glenn Allen Hill, Julio Zuleta days. Trying to think of worse fielders. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, because, uh, you know, I think we've seen some guys maybe play like first base that don't necessarily have the, the best range or whatever. Uh, but, you know, this guy out at second base, I mean, and, you know, when he would kind of like pretend to dive for balls up the middle that he was never going to get to, like, dude, you're never getting that ball. Um, yeah, that was that was quite something to watch. So I, yeah, I don't know where he's going to go, but there is no reason for him to be on this team anymore. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on now to the, um, the bullpen and pitching actually was pretty good, especially down the stretch. And I was going to ask you about a couple of people that I think the Cubs should try to keep. Um, I'm thinking especially about Cole Hamels and, uh, Jesse Chavez, but I was wondering if there are any other, um, guys that might be free agents or might be leaving that you, uh, would consider keeping. Those two are the, I think the primary ones, uh, I think the Cole Hamels thing is a no brainer. I, you know, I know there were reports out of them, you know, maybe looking into a multi-year thing rather than just picking up that option. And I'm all for it, uh, you know, and, and listening to John Lester on, I think it was ESPN 1000 on Wednesday, you know, he just talked about how valuable he was, uh, in that clubhouse. And even to someone like John, you know, just because he brings another, you know, that pedigree to the clubhouse and, you know, you can just learn from him. Lester was specifically talking about, uh, you know, Hamill's change up and, and how they kind of talked about that and, and just the philosophy of the game. So I think anytime you have someone like Lester speaking so highly of, what somebody brought to the team, I, you know, I think it, it, it speaks a lot, you know, and obviously the results that Cole Hamels got on the field, I, I think speak for themselves. But, you know, when you, you kind of are learning that, you know, maybe there's that extra level that this guy's bringing, I think uh, it, it's, it's sort of a no brain. I mean, you have to work out the, the fiscal element of it and how much you want to be paying him, um, you know, and the staff, you know, obviously be a little older and, and skew left-handed again. 
but I think the pitching down the stretch, you know, and, and even in these crucial games was so good. Um, I think that I'd be more than, than happy to ride with that group, uh, again. And as far as Chavez goes, I think that one's a no brainer too. Um, he was really, really good for this team and, you know, amidst a bullpen with some injuries, you know, some guys that go in and out of having control. You know, this is a guy that just came over, was pumping strikes. He could go multiple innings if you needed him to. He could come in in the fifth to clean up a mess. He could come in in the ninth to get a save. And, you know, we saw it uh, in those reports after the wildcard game where he was, you know, basically telling reporters, like, if I'm not a Cub next year, I don't really want to play professional baseball anymore. So I, I think in those two uh, situations, I think, you know, again, depending on what the financials are, I, I think that they're, you know, uh, almost no brainers, just the, the, the performance was there. The character was there. Uh, you know, teammates spoke very highly of them. They, they brought something different and, and valuable to the clubhouse. So, yeah, I mean, I think that those are uh, really easy decisions because this pitching staff for the most part, you know, you have some kinks to fix and obviously you had some injuries, uh, but this, this pitching staff was not the problem uh, of the 2018 Cubs. So I think, you know, you maybe piece some things together, try to, to make a couple of edits going forward. But I think in general, you've got a very strong group. And I think if you can keep that together uh, for a reasonable price, I, I think that that's probably the best course of action, especially when, you know, we're thinking that they might be a little aggressive when it comes to the offensive side of things and, you know, with trades and free agents and stuff. Yeah. And I'm trying to think here, I'm thinking uh, Justin Wilson's contract is up. So I don't think they'll sign him again. Maybe um, you've got, you know, Morrow. I don't even know what to know with Morrow. Like if he's healthy, he's good, but will that ever happen? Hopefully Strope will be a hundred percent. He should be. Although he definitely wasn't pitching in the wild card game, it sounds like. But so it's it'll be curious to see what they do for a closer next year. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Everything that they've seemed to say is that they're they're not planning on going into the year relying on Moro being in that role. And, you know, being much more uh like specific with his calendar and, you know, what days he's available and stuff like that. So I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. I don't know if they'll, uh, seek a trade. Uh, you know, I haven't, uh, perused that free agent list, uh, off the top of my head, but I think, you know, it, it, it's something you're probably going to want to iron out. I mean, uh, you know, they, they had some, I think, decent internal options, but, you know, I, I don't think that Carl is ever going to get there. I, you know, I, I understood as much as anybody why that kind of train of thought was, uh, you know, the sort of purveying wisdom, if, if you will, you know, that he may be a, a candidate to be a, a future closer. But I mean, everything we've seen so far, I, I, I'm not sure that the, the kind of mental element of, of that particular position is, is going to work out for him. Um, and I don't know if they would, you know, go into the season with stroke as the closer. He did a very good job in that role. Um, but I just, I don't know if that's something that they would really plan on. So, yeah, I think, you know, maybe, uh, strengthening that back of the, the bullpen. I do, I do remember, I think Adovino from Colorado is one of those guys out there. You know, he's certainly an interesting option. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I do think that that will be, uh, kind of a, a, a place of focus. You know, the bullpen was very good for this team all year, but we saw, you know, the effect of so many innings early on in the season, you know, for Steve Ciszek, he just, you know, simply was not as effective uh, in September, you know, in the, the few games they played in October. And, you know, you had stroke get hurt at one point, you know, Justin Wilson was pretty good, I guess, you know, for most of the season, even though his walk rate was still pretty high. Um, so I think, you know, trying to build a, a stronger, deeper bullpen is always, uh, you know, a good idea. And, you know, as we see in these playoffs and stuff, especially, you know, that really is, I think where the game is, is shifting a bit. So, um, I think the Cubs bullpen was good, but, you know, I think it, it could be even better. So I, I would think that that will be on the list, uh, for Theo and co this off season. Yeah. And with, you know, Edwards, it's just, you know, I don't, it's just, yeah, like you said, the mental, but it also seems like he starts out so strong every year and then just loses it at the end of the year. And you wonder, is it like his small frame? Is it wear and tear? Is it all just the mental stuff? I don't know. When he was throwing, I think, a good bit slower in, you know, some of those last few weeks of the season, I think he was down in, you know, the 92, 93 range, which is not where he's been at. Uh, you know, I think when his fastball's up at, you know, 95, 96, you know, he can be up there with the best of them in terms of whiff rate and K per nine and, and you know, those types of numbers that are really big for relievers. You know, I think in, in past seasons, he would have been that guy if, you know, you had a bases loaded, no out situation, you know, of the group, Carl's your guy, Carl's the guy you would go to, you know, absent of someone like a Roldis Chapman, right. To let's see if we can get three strikeouts and get out of this, you know, or two strikeouts and then, you know, a pop out or whatever. Um, and you know, now that's crazy. You, you, the first thing you would think is you can't bring Carl in with the bases loaded. He's going to walk in a run, you know? So it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating situation. Um, I'm not really sure what exactly the deal is, but unfortunately we've kind of seen a, a, a similar movie uh, over these last couple of years here. 2017 was, was kind of similar where in those playoffs, you know, he was really good one day and, you know, couldn't throw strikes the next day. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure how they get that ironed out, but I, I think at least for the moment, you know, you, you do have to kind of maybe play with the idea or move on from the idea that he's going to be that, you know, uh, top one, two, three guy in your bullpen. You know, I think you can uh, hope that he can get back there and that's a nice bonus. But I think, you know, going into a season, you can't really rely on that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, with Joe Madden, he has this thing. I, I think, I don't know if you've noticed this too, where he has like, I like to call it like a Houdini guy. He's got one guy in his bullpen that he loves to go to in jams. At first, when he was first on the Cubs, it was Justin Grimm. Then it was, um, you know, Carl Edwards. And now I think it's probably C-Shack. But you wonder if they use him so much for those jams that it kind of breaks them. Yeah, I mean, I think anything is possible. Um, it just, you know, relief pitchers is is one of those jobs where it's it's such a thankless position, you know, and the margin of error is, is so small um, that, it really could just be, yeah, anything. It could be confidence. It could be an injury. Uh, who knows? But uh, it's it's such a fine line between, you know, and, and, you know, you're you're right. You know, you talk about these big situations. Um, you know, if you're if you're not all there and, and everything kind of firing on all cylinders, like 
that's the difference between, you know, working yourself out of a bases loaded jam and, you know, getting killed or not being able to throw strikes. So I, I, you know, I, it'll be interesting. You know, he's one of those guys that I think is, is on the list of, you know, people to, to kind of keep an eye on over this off season and especially in spring training, just because his ceiling is, I think, a, a you know, near top of the league reliever. I don't know if he'll ever be, uh, you know, in that, that Chapman, Jansen, et cetera, category, you know, those elite relievers. But I, I think he, you know, his ceiling is a really quality top of the line bullpen arm uh, that can generate a ton of whiffs. And unfortunately his floor is someone you can't really use uh, aside from, you know, mop up duty because you can't trust whether he's going to throw strikes or not. Yeah, exactly. And I guess we will find out as time goes on. Well, you know, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to ask one more pitching question, and it's one that no one wants to talk about, but, you know, you got to cover all the bases. What do we do with Tyler Chatwood moving forward? Oh, man. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I think it'll be very interesting to see uh, what they do there. Um, he's under contract for two more years, right? Yeah, it was three year deal that he signed. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think probably the same thing that they did this year. You know, without the the, the sort of like guaranteed spot in the rotation. I, I think you know you you go in and try and figure out his command, and you know, it, I, I think almost similar to Edwards. Obviously, not as severe as you know what Chatwood was going through in terms of Edwards, but you know, just similar in the sense that, you know, you kind of hope that not that you get lucky, but that you can kind of figure out how to get them on a better path and, you know, get back to what you signed Chatwood in the first place for, which, you know, I think was, was some good reasons, you know, he has good stuff. Um, you were hoping to get him out of Coors and, and all that and, you know, try to get better results. It obviously did not work, but I, I don't know, man, they, they sent him down, um, to I think triple a at the end of the year. And it was the same problem. And, you know, when you can't go down on a rehab assignment and just pump strikes to minor leaguers, you know, with your only goal being, if I can throw strikes, I can get back to the major league team and, you know, maybe play a role, uh, for a playoff team. It's a bad sign. You know, like he literally cannot just go out there and say, if I get hit, I get hit, but I'm going to throw strikes. I mean, he can't even get close. So, I, I think you probably just have to swallow that money and, and see if you can get some value out of it. But I, I think they'd be crazy to, you know, pencil him in to either a, you know, a, they won't pencil him into the rotation. That That's not even something I think that gets entertained, but, you know, even just planning on him breaking camp with the team, I think is nuts at this point. He was that bad. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm all for, you know, trying to get guys right. Um, you know, and he, he did deal with some injury stuff throughout the year, but he was that bad that I think you have to seriously see a total reversal from him. Otherwise you kind of have to just, uh, go along. I, I, yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, and if you had to cut him or whatever, you know, because, uh, you can't send him down or whatever, then that might just be what you have to do. But he, he was, uh, he was that, unuseful, you know, in terms of his, his walk rate and stuff like that, that I, I, I don't think it's something that you can just put up with because you, you paid him and, and you have him on that contract. Yeah. And, you know, 
Yeah, but he had like um, a hip injury, and then he was pitching for Iowa three or four days later. So you knew obviously there wasn't, you know, no injury. But yeah, it, it did not go good in Iowa either. And you think if they keep Cole Hamels, you're getting you Darvish back. That's a five man rotation right there. So there's really no room for him if they keep Hamels and Darvish is able to come back. So yeah. I mean, would you try to send him to the minors? And obviously he could ask for his release then because he's a veteran, and maybe you would have to do that and put him on the spot. Yeah, I mean, I think your hope maybe at that point would be that he you know, finds a way to be useful maybe in a relief role uh, or kind of uh, you're going to have Montgomery in this role, but, uh, you know, kind of in that, a similar role, you know, a guy that can come in and pick up a few innings, maybe do a spot start. I think you'd hope that you can get him there. But, you know, again, like just what we saw last year, I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying he can never get right again. We've certainly seen guys uh, lose it for a bit and then, you know, figure things out down the road. Um, you know, I think Rich Hill comes to mind, you know, someone like that. It was, he was, you know, partially injuries, but uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't necessarily see it. And, you know, you also have Drew Smiley, um, you know, who tried to work his way back this year, uh, but he will be back next year. And, you know, it's just, you look, you know, you think about him, Montgomery, obviously you'll have Darvish back. It, it, it's just difficult to imagine, I think, them having room for, for Chatwood again, unless you've seen uh, some significant improvement. And yeah, unless he's much, much more effective than he was. Right. And I, you know, I, again, I, I think it's possible. And, you you know, you know, I, I would think that he's very motivated to not pitch that poorly. I can't imagine that that was fun for him going out there, um, you know, and seemingly have no idea where the ball is going. Um, but you know, sometimes that just happens. I mean, sometimes guys just lose it and it, it's difficult to, you know, re-harness that. Um, but you know, I think, you know, he's got a, obviously as a good staff, they have a very good, uh, mental conditioning team. You know, Jim Hickey's been doing this for a long time. Uh, so, you know, again, I mean, I think the hope is you can get him on a, on a, you know, sort of better path there and, you know, maybe find a spot for him. But yeah, I mean, you might have to, to force the hand at some point. Cause I, I just don't think that uh, you're going to have the space for someone who you, you know, literally can't use unless the game is uh, already long, but decided, you know, just because, I mean, he was setting records for how many people he was walking. I, I you just, it's, it's just not something that, that you can really deal with. And, you know, I think he was fortunate to have the numbers that he did, uh, you know, he, he found a way to wiggle out of a lot of spots early in the season with double plays, um, and, you know, just minimize the damage and, you know, he'd go five innings with eight walks, but only give up a run. Right. And it's like, you know, how he did that, I'm not really sure in some of those outings. Uh, but the, the overall numbers, I think probably could have been even worse than they ended up being, which is sort of crazy to even think about. Yeah. Well, the thing I like to, to give people is like, so play a little game. So you want to be a GM. You have three available pitchers, Miles Mikolas, Julie Chassin, and Tyler Chatwood with all pretty much the same numbers. And we had very different results for those three pitchers when they went to their different teams. Yeah, that one I think hurts a bit just because, you know, we, we saw at various times, you never know exactly, uh, 
whether it's, you know, accurate reports, we're already kind of in that portion of the off season now where reports are flying left and right of various things. But all three of those guys, I think last off season were connected to the Cubs at some point. I, I know that they checked in on Michaelis coming over from Japan and, uh, you know, Chassin has obviously had a very successful season with the Brewers, uh, you know, kind of being their main starting pitcher at this point with the way that, you know, they're kind of using their pitching staff. Um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, looking back, not, not the best off season, uh, for Theo and company, even though, uh, I was amongst the people who thought it was a pretty good off season. I thought, uh, you know, Chatwood was a, a pretty decent, um, you know, cheaper starting pitching option. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> did not quite work out. I think how anyone was hoping, I think the collective line of him and Darvish, uh, it would really make some people sick. And, you know, just considering how many games, uh, those two and Morrow missed, just like, man, uh, it's, you know, it, I guess bringing it full circle to the the playoff thing, it, in some ways is kind of amazing that they ended up winning 95 games, uh, just because, you know, the plan that they laid out in, you know, February and March going into the season is not really at all what ended up kind of playing out for them. Yeah, if you, you, that's what I was thinking too. You look at the numbers and like, how did they win 95 games? You have one of your, at least I would say one or two best hitters, Chris Bryant, out for the year. Well, not out for the year, but badly affected for right. a big chunk of the year, bad shoulder. You had Russell, just non-factor. I mean, like, you know, the pitching was all over the place and you you lose Darvish for the year. Yeah, it's like, how did they win 95 games? Talent, I think, uh, you know, that's the thing is, is I think that they, they just have such a strong group and, you know, obviously when you get Hamels at the deadline and he puts up a, you know, sub two ERA for the first, however many starts of that, um, it certainly helps, but yeah, it, it, it really was, uh, looking back is one of those things where it, it, it kind of, I think, you know, you're thinking like, ah, this was, you know, obviously a disappointing ending and, you know, they looked just not very good, uh, you know, through certain portions of the year. And you're like, well, you know, they did kind of overcome a lot. You know, it sounds like something that every team says at the end of the year, but like uh, they, they really did. Um, you know, and I think that the, the Chris Bryan point you, you brought up just now too, goes back to the Chili Davis question in, you know, how different does this offense look if you have uh, something closer to 2016 Chris Bryant, you know, someone putting up a nine plus wins above replacement, you know, in a 950 OPS uh, or something like that, you know, throughout the year. Like, I, I don't know that that solves every problem, but I, you know, I think he was just a very different player uh, at the end of the year, you know, in some of those games down the year, you know, you, you had him in the two, three hole, um, you know, with like a high, what, sevens OPS, you know, and that's just not the same guy. It's just a totally different guy. So, uh, yeah, it kind of makes, I think those factors, you know, and then, uh, the 95 wins, but the early exit, it, it makes it a little confusing to exactly, I think, pinpoint, uh, how, you know, where your, your level of, uh, like frustration or panic or, uh, you know, whether you're, you're backing up a dump truck full of money to Machado and Harper this off season, or if you're looking at this team, you know, and kind of thinking they won 95 games overcoming, uh, you know, some significant hurdles in terms of their planning, maybe best not to overreact. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm still 
figuring out where I fall in, 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 you know, that group. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting off season. Um, you know, and again, we've had a little bit of extra time to dwell on that, uh, than we have in the past years as the Cubs stopped playing baseball on October 4th, which was, uh, quite early than, than we're used to here. Yeah. Much earlier than we had planned for sure. At, at uh, about a month. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, you know, hoping for another one of those parades in downtown Chicago, but we are uh, not really close to that uh, at all. Yeah, well, well, I guess you kind of brought it up, so it's not our money. Let's say, we'll say you're still deciding, you know, but let's say you decide that we should go for one of these marquee free agents. Do you have a preference between Machado and Harper? I think I, I'm inclined to lean Harper. Um I just love what he brings uh, from the offensive perspective. I, I think he's shown a little bit of, uh, you know, chemistry, obviously, with some of these guys. You know, we see him palling around with uh, Rizzo at the All-Star Game and Home Run Derby and stuff, and obviously he grew up with Chris Bryant. So I think that that's a real positive. Um, I think the interesting thing is it seems possible that Machado ends up being a better fit perhaps. And, uh, you know, I think you could, you know, at, at certain degrees, you're probably splitting hairs. You're, you're talking about two of the game's, uh, better talents. And I think adding them to any lineup is, is a positive. Uh, but you know, just with the uncertainty of this Russell situation, um, you know, and then obviously moving, you know, in, in most cases you might be moving Javi back to shortstop full-time. I know Machado wants to play shortstop, but I, part of me can't really envision them not putting Javi at shortstop. Um, you know, but it, it, you know, we just saw, you know, the Javi playing a full season at shortstop, you know, how does that affect him from a physical perspective? You know, you're obviously kind of moving him back to, uh, a more difficult taxing position and, you know, it just sort of leaves the infield in a bit of flux. If, you know, you're relying on say 38 year old Ben Zobrist, uh, or David Bodie, you know, who we saw really struggle down the stretch, um, even though he's, he's got a great glove. Uh, so it, it sort of seems like potentially Manny might be uh, a good fit for this team, just, you know, from a positional needs uh, or where this organization may be kind of skewing going forward. Um, but I just, I think that Bryce is the better offensive player. Um, I think he would put up monster numbers in Wrigley Field. I think he would wear out those right field bleachers um, and the, the alleys. I think he's a, a really good player for this group, for this stadium. I, I just think he's a great fit, um, you know, outside of that, you know, positional uh, needs category. I, just, I, I think that Bryce is a really good fit. I even think like attitude wise, I think that him and Javi, um, you know, would, would, put on a show on a, on a lot of days, you know, just, they have that kind of aggressive go for it. I'm going to make something happen kind of attitude. And I think it just fits, uh, to a degree, but you know, you're right. It's, it's, it's not my money. Um, and I think that either way you're, you're adding a major bat to the lineup and, uh, you know, good defenders as well. So I, I think that, uh, you know, both of them would be significant additions and it would be, I think fairly surprising, uh, especially given, you know, how this season ended. If one of them is not a Chicago Cub, I, I, I feel like I would be pretty shocked. Um, I know that they may have some stiff competition, but it just, 
you know, when, when you go out, uh, and, and especially Theo talked about the offense so much in that hour long, uh, end of the season press conference, he, he hammered that home, uh, seemingly at every opportunity, even at one point calling their performance down the stretch, just totally unacceptable from an offensive perspective. So you just get the feeling that they're going to be addressing the offense and, you know, unless I'm missing something, those are the you know, predominant ways that that's going to get done. So I think I'll say Bryce is my preference. Um, you know, if, Hey, if Tom wanted to break out the checkbook and bring them both over here and just say, you know, screw it. We're, we need to be better. We need to go win. Hey, I'm all for that too. You know, uh, you want to put out, you know, closer to an all-star team. I don't think anybody's complaining about that. Yeah. No, no one would be, but yeah, that's it. I, I kind of, I lean like a tiny bit to Manny for the reason you gave. I liked, I just like that idea of bias at short Manny at third and Chris Bryant in left field. I do. It just, that sounds good to me, but like Harper is great too. So it's like, yeah, either one or yes, go for both. I mean, they're going to launch their own TV channel, right? They're going to have money. Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, we, there's certainly no reason for us to be, uh, worried about where I think, I think the, the Ricketts family has plenty of money. So, um, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, I don't know if they'll plan to exceed the luxury tax. I, you know, I, who knows on all that, we can't really control that if they don't want to, they don't want to, right. There's nothing we can do. Um, but you, you just really got the sense, you know, and Theo doesn't necessarily speak for everybody, but he does for a lot of people. You just really got the sense that they were not satisfied uh, with this ending. And, you know, he, he acknowledged, you know, Hey, we're, we're very proud to win 95 games. It's a great season. You know, we take that every year. Uh, but we're, we're not happy today, you know, sitting here, not playing anymore and having gotten eliminated. So I I don't know if both of those guys is realistic, you know, just because I I assume that there's going to be several teams, you know, ready to pony up some big dough for these guys. Uh, but, you just got the sense that they may, we may see some really significant shakeup this off season. I kind of thought it was possible last off season, um, you know, maybe moving, you know, someone like Hap or Almora for pitching or something like that. Uh, but it, if it wasn't last season, it's for sure. It has to be this season, you know, uh, just cause you can't commit to the youth forever, you know, uh, and you kind of have to make a decision on some of these guys. And, and when, you're, you're talking so often about how inconsistent the offense was, uh, you know, there, there's only a certain number of ways to, to deal with that. And, uh, I think that, you know, bringing one of those two guys in seems likely, um, you know, watching these playoffs, I think someone like Marwin Gonzalez is someone who stands out as, uh, an interesting name, you know, to kind of, uh, be another one of those can kind of play a few different positions, gives you a solid bat, you know, and, uh, you know, may not cost you the the world to bring in. Um, but you know, if you do bring those guys in, you know, you may have to look at moving some of these younger guys. We've already heard, uh, I think a couple of the beat writers bring up a couple of names that, you know, they wouldn't be surprised to not see here anymore. So I, I, I get the impression that, you know, whether it's, uh, Bryce or Machado both or neither, uh, whatever it is, I, I get the feeling going into this that, there's going to be some shakeup with this team. Um, you know, like nothing, you know, they're not going to trade 
Rizzo or Bryant or Javi or anything like that. Nothing that crazy. But I, I think some of those, you know, uh, call them fringe everyday starters, right? The Almoras, the Haps, the Schwarbers of the world. Uh, I think we may we may see some shakeup there just because I, I, I don't know where else it would come. You know, I think there's a certain number of guys on this team that are locked into positions uh, and into the future going forward for this team. And, you know, so change has to come somewhere, right? So I, I think that yeah. uh, there are probably some you know, some, some fans who have some favorites that are near and dear to their hearts, uh, that, you know, may have to kind of prepare themselves to say goodbye as, as, as much as it may pain them. That's indeed the truth. Yeah. I, I know I had to part with, a uh, my boy Solaire a couple years ago. So I know, I know from where they come from, but, but, um, yeah, but you know, Theo does not make mistakes. When Theo says something, it's the a deliberate, thing and the way he was talking you know in his understated Theo way was saying we're shaking this thing up big time you just like you know he's very he's very careful in what he says and he was for Theo that was a pretty brutal takedown of his offense yeah I I thought that too I I thought his demeanor throughout that press conference was uh, particular. I don't want to say striking, but it it definitely stood out. Like he just was not pleased. And I mean, you know, granted, like they got knocked out of the playoffs. Of course, he's not. But yeah, it just it, it like you said, it, it was sort of brutal at times. You know, and he even said like, you know, no offense to to any of our players or anything, but like this just wasn't good enough. And uh, yeah, so I I, I just think that. Uh, you know, he has, he has talked a lot about, you know, doing your best to mitigate those things that might ruin what you have planned. You know, you, you put this roster together, you, you believe they have a chance to, to get to the dance and, and win the whole thing. And you kind of try to plan out how to avoid those obstacles, uh, throughout the year. And, you know, I think the biggest one, you know, it's been the, the reason they got knocked out, uh, the last two years here, um, you know, and, and I, I think in, in 2015 as well, uh, you know, and that's the offense. And, you know, so when when you're so forward, like you said, he you're, you're 100% right on that. He does not say, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't say things unless there is uh, a real purpose behind them and he really means what he's saying. And when he's, you know, so forcibly uh, talking about the offense uh, and, and its shortcomings, I, you know, it, it, it speaks to you. I think it, it really tells you like, all right, like we get it. You know, we heard you, um, we heard you and yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for, I'm prepared for whatever here. I really don't, I, I don't, I really don't know what to expect. It, it just has the feel of, uh, you know, something big perhaps, you know, and, and that would certainly be, you know, adding a Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and, you know, potentially doing more, uh, but perhaps it'll be, uh, even more interesting than that. Yeah, and you know, you you wonder if like it'll end up being something like they go for a Machado or Harper, and then you see guys like Hap or Schwarber get moved for like bullpen help or you know a closer or something like that because we saw that with Solaire and Wade Davis in the past. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that at this point. Um... You know, I, I was I was one of those people who going into this season, I didn't have a problem with them 
you know, committing to the younger guys and, you know, trying to see what they had there and, you know, whether they could put together a winning group with, you know, some of their own, uh, you know, farm talent, talent they developed, that, that they drafted, they curated. I, I had no problem with it. I know that there were, uh, you know, a contingent of people that, you know, kind of always want to be spending and, you know, maximizing every single year in a window as much as you possibly can. Um, but I, I thought it was a worthwhile, I guess you could call it an experiment, um, you know, to see what you had in those guys. And, you know, I think you definitely have a clearer idea of who some of these guys are. Uh, but I don't know that any of them, you know, and, and granted, like, they're still very young. It's not to say that, you know, you uh, are necessarily giving up on them, um, you know, because what, it happens 24 years old or something like that, like barely 24 years old. So, you know, but at a certain point, you know, you kind of have to decide, like, are we, you know, looking, you know, too far into the future, you know, as opposed to saying, like, this team is you know, X, Y, and Z from away from winning another world series or, you know, performing better in that Colorado game and against Milwaukee down the stretch. And we need to, you know, go out and commit to what that is. And, you know, unfortunately that might mean, you know, not, uh, you know, giving as much time to those guys to develop, you know, and I think, uh, you know, of that, of that three man group, the, the Amora Hap Schwarber group, you know, I don't, I don't really think that any of them proved to be, uh, you know, a reliable everyday option. And, you know, I think that that was, you know, maybe what you were hoping for, uh, you know, to kind of like really kind of, uh, cash out on, on one of them, you know, give them a full season, see what you can get and, you know, hopefully be able to, to plant some guys on your roster for the long term that you developed. And obviously you don't have to pay very much money. Um, but again, like when you look at the offense and, that it, it was inconsistent. And there's only so many places you can make changes, right? Like Contreras is your catcher. Rizzo's your first baseman. Bryant is, you know, your third baseman though. He, that might be flexible, I suppose. Uh, Baez is your shortstop and, and Hayward, unless he decides to opt out for some crazy reason, you know, he's one of your outfielders. So that, you know, only leaves a couple of spots to make significant changes. And that's going to mean, trying to maximize the value of those guys, which for all of them is not sitting on the bench, you know, and playing uh, a few times a week. Yeah. And of course, you know, they're young, but I mean, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper are both 26. So it's not like they're old either. Right. It kind of reminds you a little bit of when they brought Hayward over, who I think was 26 at the time as well, you know, where it was like, yeah, they're signing him to, uh, a longer term deal, but this isn't some old man they're bringing in, you know, this is another guy who kind of fits into this, uh, young core, if you will, you know, they didn't develop him, but you know, yeah, they're, they're 26. I mean, that's, that's, you know, barely, uh, you know, what we might consider prime years for some of these guys. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think that adding one of those guys is, is, is the play. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, if you know Theo and 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 that group, if we can kind of figure out what the preference is, because uh, you know I know the, the the sort of dominating thought has been Bryce uh, for so long, but you know again you kind of look at the the state of the infield for the Cubs and you kind of think all right well maybe you know maybe Manny is uh, 
is a more interesting option, you know, and it, it doesn't hurt to watch him. Uh, you know, he hit a big home run in the game against the Braves the other day. Always good to, you know, I think see guys that you might be adding to the fold, you know, performing, uh, on the bigger stage. And, uh, so yeah, I think it, I, I think it'll be, um, an interesting off season. I, lucky for me, my favorite player, uh, is not going to be traded. So I, I am, uh, pretty safe in my feeling that uh i will still get to watch john lester on the mound next year where you know i'm I'm not so sure that uh if one of those younger outfielders uh is your favorite i you know i'm not sure you can say the same well i'm just waiting for your epic uh speech when he retires in imploring baseball to put him in the hall of fame so yeah i i i, I didn't i haven't looked at that yet i i assume he's one of those guys that like you could make a 50 50 argument for either way. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the, the thing I, I worry about with that though, and I, I would totally understand it cause I, I think it makes more sense. Uh, but it, it, you know, that would be a rough one if he were inducted into the hall of fame and, you know, opted for the Red Sox cap over the Cubs. Again, I understand it. It, it, I think it makes more sense at least for now. Um, but it would still sting to, to see him uh, in that Red Sox cap as he is uh, at this point a Cubs legend. But yeah, hey, I am uh, more than happy to offer my services, you know, in, in, in speech writing or speech giving uh, on behalf of John Lester. So, And well, you know, all he has to do is win, win next year's World Series and then it'll be even for Red Sox and Cubs World Series. Right. And then he can do, uh, I'm trying to think of... Maddox did that right where he's wearing just an MLB hat because he didn't mm-hmm. want to choose between uh the Braves and the Cubs so yeah I I would go for that I don't expect him to end up in a Cubs hat just because he had you know such a a strong career and some you know really amazing moments with the Red Sox but uh I would take you know the standard MLB cap let's not choose sides right Johnny yes but you know it was funny because I had that stat that was going around how he had a what was it 177 ERA and but he'd lost his last four postseason starts. I was thinking, right. boy, Corey must just be just banging his head on the wall reading that. I, you know, that's I, I, it wasn't surprising, and it, you know, is another one of those numbers that really speaks to uh, the inconsistent offense over the years. Because even thinking back through all of the postseasons runs from this group, it's it's never really been the pitching's problem. Um, it hasn't been perfect at times. But, you know, they're not getting run out of buildings in the playoffs. They just can't score. Uh, so it's frustrating. But, you know, one, the, the, the main thing I think I thought uh, coming out of that wild card game was just, like, thank you to anyone who will listen uh, that he did not take the loss in that game. Because that I would have pounded my head into a wall. Uh, you know, if he goes out there and pitches the way that he did and, you know, because of a, a leadoff walk and a sack fly in the first inning, he's going to take a loss in this stupid game. Uh, that I was, I was grateful for Cause that I, I just, I, I don't think I could have, <laughs> I, uh, amidst them getting eliminated and playing so poorly, uh, you know, to, to see that line go by, you know, forever with, you know, L John Lester, oh man, that would have been a, a tough pill to swallow. Well, I will leave it on a good note because he's lost. The Cubs have lost the last four playoff games he appeared in. But that fifth playoff game, something happened in that that was pretty good. Trying to remember. Oh, yes, I believe the Cubs won the World Series. 
in the last game Lester appeared in that the Cubs won in the playoffs. That is a very good point, Sean. You know, people tend to forget that. I think, uh, you know, now especially that we're a couple years removed, it's always good to remind people that the Cubs did indeed win the World Series. And you have to feel at least a little bit, I think, for fans of the team out in Cleveland, uh, you know, just because we shared that moment with them in October or November of 2016. Uh, And yikes, has it... uh, gone the other direction for them so you know even as the Cubs uh you know are not playing anymore and I I kind of dwell on that throughout the days here in October I'm comforted from the notion simply that the Cubs won the World Series it's out of the way uh we got to enjoy that and we are not the Cleveland Indians who uh lost game seven of the World Series and now literally cannot win a playoff game so yeah exactly or even worst case the 2015 Mets Right. They're just gone. Yeah. Just, just off the face of the earth. Well, I think every, most baseball fans would agree that, you know, your team might be in a, in a bad place, but at least you're not a Mets fan. That's true. We always have that. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for coming on doing a little season wrap up show. I wish it had been a better note to have a season wrap up show, but you gotta do what we gotta do. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate uh, you having me on, as always. It's uh, always good to talk Cubs baseball with you, Sean. Yep, and of course, if any of you aren't listening, the Cubs-related podcast, I listen all the time. It's very good, and, you know, you guys are going to be on during the offseason, I'm sure. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, figure that out exactly. We're, I think this is we're in the middle of the longest break we've maybe ever taken, which is like a week. Uh but yeah, it's just, uh, it's weird. There's just, there's nothing to talk about, you know? And it's like, we, uh, you know, we did our, our sort of post-mortem as well. And, you know, after that, it's like, all right, well, we don't, I don't think people want us to keep talking about that. So kind of have to, uh, wait for things to, to get going there. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, throughout the off season, we'll have to have you on. You've had both Brendan and I on a few times here. Uh, but yeah, always good to talk, uh, talk baseball with you. Yep. Thanks for coming on. As always, you can email the podcast at holycowpod at gmail.com. Um, we're available on iTunes, so you look up Holy Cow with Cubs Podcast on iTunes, you should find you can find it. And please rate and review my podcast so you know I know what to do better and what I'm not doing right. So uh, you know now it's the off season, so we I'm working we'll have some fun guests from time to time. I don't know how often we'll be on. It depends on the guests, but uh, there will be some off-season coverage. Uh, and I also want to plug, I have a new podcast, uh, The Emergency Goalies, a Blackhawks podcast. Um, working to get it on iTunes right now, but if you look at my Twitter feed, you will see it. And It's uh, me and Michael Ernst from Cubs Den, and basically we just talk about the Blackhawks every week. So if you're interested in hockey at all, give it a listen. Anyway, thank you for listening, and we will be back during the offseason. <laughs>